So Lord, we uh, thank you so much for what you're doing, God. We thank you for what you're doing all over the world, Lord. We thank you for hot spots of revival that are, that are occurring in San Diego and Virginia. And uh, Lord, we want it to be here among us too, God. And we thank you for the falling of your spirit upon many people at the conference last week in Illinois, God. And we thank you that you are at work in untold numbers of places all over the earth. And God, we pray that today we would become a little bit more prepared as we go forward and um, spread your kingdom, demonstrate your kingdom, extend your kingdom, Lord God, through, uh, through what we do here in this part of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, what I want to do, so another wild card, we don't have a series going on. Uh, what I'm talking about today, you will find out once I announce it, is, uh, is something that could be a long series, but uh, it's going to be just kind of encapsulated into uh, one wild card teaching, uh, obviously scratching the surface uh, of the topic, which is probably up there, who are you really? Your identity in Jesus. So uh, we could talk about uh, our identity in Christ, and by the way, that phrase, in Christ, in him, is sprinkled liberally all throughout the New Testament, particularly in the letters of Paul. And it is the way that the Holy Spirit gave to Paul to designate those who had received Jesus Christ into their lives. And at that moment, we believe that God actually placed them. Not only did Jesus come and live within them, but we believe that God took them and placed them into Jesus. So it was reciprocal. He's in us and we're in him. So the phrase in Christ is a descriptor in the Bible that actually defines the church. Those who have truly found the source of eternal life for their own lives and that the living God of the universe is dwelling, abiding in them. And that's a radical change. That was not always on the earth. I, you know, when I talk to you, when I teach you, I talk about how, uh, how radical a feature of Christianity that is, that the, the God of the universe, the transcendent one, the majestic one, the creator of all things, the one who is all wise, he is actually living in human bodies, and we are called the church. And so uh, this is a, a powerful, powerful truth. So that's what it means to be in Christ, at, kind of at a basic level. And so that gives us a whole new identity. Now, at the uh, conference I attended uh, out in, uh, I think it was Illinois as well, wasn't it? Let's see, that was uh, Champaign, Illinois, yeah. Uh, University of Illinois campus, um, there's a, a great vineyard church there, and there was a conference called More Love, More Power, and if I haven't mentioned it before, I really recommend that if you go to any vineyard conference during the year, you save up your money and go to that one. It is by far the best vineyard conference I have attended ever in my lifetime in the vineyard, and uh, I, I think it is, it is great. It is probably the closest, I think, um, in America, uh, uh, European uh, vineyards are, are a little different, uh, uh, but it's the closest in America to what I think Wimber would have um, wanted a conference to be like, John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard. So very filled with love, very filled with power, and really kind of at a cutting 
cutting edge of what I think is happening in the kingdom of God. So there were many truths that were presented, many powerful truths about the way God is advancing his kingdom uh, in the earth. There were a couple of people from uh, the UK there who were prominent speakers, and uh, they brought that European flavor of what God is doing uh, in Europe, in the vineyards, and they're expanding like never before. And there was a kind of an, an impartation of what he's doing there into the American vineyards, and very exciting. But one topic that kind of pervaded everything that took place was this idea of our identity, our identity, who we are in Christ. Um, and um, it struck me that in a very real way, one of the things that was mentioned over and over again is that how we see God, how we see other people, and what we do for God and in service, in loving service to other people around us, in powerful service to other people around us, in very large measure depends on who we know ourselves to be in God. So if we are insecure in who we are in God, if we have a very low opinion of who we are in God, it is very likely that that will be transmitted to people around us, it will be transmitted to our own feelings about how we uh, relate to God, that will be broken, how we relate to other people will be broken, what we do for God in the world will be extremely limited. So this idea of identity who we are, who we have been made to be when we have come into Jesus Christ and when he has come into us is critical for what God is doing in the contemporary church. This is what I would call a present truth. This is one of the, the truths of God that is flowing in a powerful stream in the river of God. So if the river of God is the the whole of God's power and God's truth that's flowing into the church and out from the church into the world, then this stream in that river is very powerful. Who we are in God. And it struck me that, that we really here at this church haven't had a lot of teaching on that. Uh, we have had some but not recently, I think. And I wanted to just focus in on that and, and give us a dose of this. This is, this is just a seed of, of what could be um, a whole pod of truth that could come to us. <laughs> All right, uh, I want to begin uh, by telling you a, a, a bit of a story. Uh, it's not my story, but it's a story that uh, pertained to the life of one of my heroes of the Christian faith, a guy named John G. Lake, an American evangelist, uh, early 20th century, um, had a powerful ministry in Africa, and then uh, an equally powerful ministry on the west coast of America in a city, primarily a city named uh, Spokane, Washington. Uh, Mighty man of God, mighty man in healing, uh, brought untold thousands to the Lord, a powerful evangelist, so he was greatly used of God. And at, at one point, he was asked, uh, what, what is, in a sense, your secret? How is it that you can uh, uh, 
from the living Christ within, how you can transmit so much of the love and power of God so that the kingdom of God is spread powerfully through what you do. And he mentioned three things. He said, number one, and two of these are not uh, new to us uh, who are evangelicals, charismatics. Uh, We've been taught this. Number one would be to be much in the Scripture, much in the Word, to be eating the Word of God, to be inhaling the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God. Why? Because the power of God is mediated to us through His Word. And the Holy Spirit breathes on us again through his word and conforms our thought structures to the mind of God and conforms our feelings to the feelings of God and strengthens our will in the will of God. So that was uh, one answer he gave. A second answer he gave is to be in intense and continual communion with God the Holy Spirit. Now, this could take the form of worship. This could take the form of prayer. This could take the form of, uh, uh, um, there are so many different forms of prayer, listening prayer or um, praising prayer, uh, gratitude-based prayer, so many different ways of interacting with the living God, of, of drawing close to him, communing. The word commune means to communicate. It means to, to share together, to be in partnership with. So to commune with God is to be with him as the branch, Jesus said, is with the vine, attached to the vine and drawing life from the vine. So these two great ways were two of the secrets of how John Lake was able to uh, release great power and great love from the Lord. But the third is a little less familiar to many of us, and and I want to speak of it right now because it fits into this idea of identity. Uh, And essentially, the secret, Lake said, was that he would declare, he would speak out vocally over himself the truth about what God said about him in the scripture. And he would do this in a very unusual way. I don't know whether you've heard me say this or not. But um, in South Africa, where Lake lived with his family, in his bedroom there was a closet, and the closet had uh, on the, uh, the back of the door a large full-length mirror. And back in those days probably true nowadays too, except in the vineyard, but ministers dressed up. <laughs> ministers had on fine suits and, and nice ties, and I mean, it was a, a mark of kind of giving God your best type of thing. And, and so um, Lake would put on his best suit, and he would open that door, and he would stand in front of the mirror, and he would point a finger at the image of himself in the mirror. And he would say, that man in the mirror is a man of God who is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That man in the mirror is a man filled with love, filled with um, the knowledge of God, filled with the ability to release the compassion of Jesus Christ to all those around him. That man in the mirror will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. That man in the mirror, and he would, it's sort of an odd way of referring to yourself, but that's what he did. And for him it worked. And what was he doing? He was finding a unique way that worked for him for him to declare his identity in Jesus Christ 
in powerful terms, not only to himself, but I think also, to some degree, he was declaring that truth out into the spiritual atmosphere, and in some way, I think maybe even it was a form of spiritual warfare, what he was doing. So I think it had a couple of different purposes, but it was establishing more than anything else that he was who the Word of God says he is in the Scripture. So, for example, if the Bible says, which it does, that we who know Jesus are accepted, A-C-C-E-P-T-E-D, we are accepted in the Beloved, that's from the book of Ephesians, which, which actually is, is in Christ. Christ is the beloved of God, right? So in him, we are accepted. Well, there is an adjective that pertains to everyone who's in Jesus Christ. Therefore, it pertains to me. Therefore, if any one of us suffers from a rejection problem in our identity, then as we know that we are accepted in Christ, being in Christ, part of our identity is we are accepted in God's sight, and I believe also that that flows out so that we will be accepted in the sight of the brothers and sisters in the church. It doesn't necessarily mean we'll be accepted by the world, because as we are witnesses in the world, there will be rejection, at times, I don't think that'll be uniformly true. It depends on our call in life, I think. But, you know, that will sometimes uh, happen, that we will be rejected. But as far as a, a carrying around a kind of rejection spirit, and I, I've really struggled with this personally my, pretty much my entire life until the last 10, 15, 20 years, when the Lord has dealt with me and has used this scripture that I am, I am because of Jesus in me, because of me in him, I'm in his body, I'm in the body of Christ, I'm in this protected place where the atmosphere of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit is all around me, I'm in the body of Christ. The body of Christ, I think, not only refers to the church, but it refers to a, a larger spiritual reality as well. And I'm included in Christ. And because of that, because Christ is accepted, is beloved, yeah, the kindness of God, the favor of God is upon Jesus Christ because he's the beloved son. So in the same way, I am a beloved son. I am accepted. I am not rejected. The kindness of God is toward me. The favor of God is upon me. I am worthy because of Jesus to receive all blessing from the Lord. And isn't that wonderful? (laughs) And I'm not the only one. (laughs) And so are all the daughters of God. Sons and the, the offspring of God. The sons and daughters of God. Because of Jesus, us being in him. I mean, you've heard this cliche. When the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus. (laughs) And so when he relates to us, he relates to us on the basis of all that Jesus has done to redeem us. And I think this is so incredible. So incredible. And, 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 And it's helped to shape my identity. So... I just want to go to um, a portion of Scripture that will, will give us, I, I hope, some real insight into this. And 
I want to reference uh, a person who's a person who's been uh, used by God to bring this revelation of our new identity in Jesus. Every one of us, every one of you in this room, doesn't matter how you were parented, it doesn't matter how you were raised in your peer group. It doesn't matter whether you were at the head of your class or at the foot of your class. It doesn't matter where you were in any social stratification system as you were growing up. In Jesus Christ, you are the beloved of God. You are the accepted of God. Man, I could just go on and on. And it's just so true. Take God's word for it. (laughs) It is so true. And the more we speak it and the more we we absorb it from the scripture and the more we declare, particularly guys, there is a power in what we say. We have spoken, uh, and you've, you've heard teaching, on the power of negative speaking. So you don't want to speak out over yourself Oh, I am just uh, going to get as sick as a dog tomorrow because there's a flu going around. Well, we've all been taught, no, you don't prophesy those kind of things over yourself. Why not? Because words have power. It's the way God has constructed the universe. Words are, are power containers, and so they have power. But positive words have great power as well. So that when I speak out that in Jesus Christ, I am the accepted of God. I am received. I am secure. It doesn't matter what I do or don't do. It, 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 in one sense, it makes no difference how I sin or how I don't sin. That whole issue has been taken care of by the Lord. And I am in a position of righteous standing because of what Jesus has done. And his righteousness has, been my, has become my righteousness, has been credited to my account in the heavenly books. And so I can stand free and clean and I can inhale the, the breath of heaven. Now I'm getting too poetic. I'm, I better stop. But... It's just, I mean, to, to, to know it and to declare it. See, even as I'm declaring it up here over me and over you, I'm feeling it even more. <laughs> and why is that? Because what you speak out over yourself becomes the reality of who you truly are. You are transformed from who you have been to who you are going to be in the image of Christ. Because the new self within us is created in the image of Christ. And so as we grow from who we have been into who we will be, we are going to become more Christ-like. And part of that process is declaring it. All right, go to slide five, please, if you would. Jack Frost and and, uh, the movement he has brought into into the body of Christ called the Father's Heart Movement says a lot about what I'm going to be speaking of right now. I don't have a lot more time, but I just want to focus in on this. This is, first, this is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that word could be also translated creature, which is okay. Don't get an alien view sort of in your mind. You don't mean that. But a creature is uh, that which is created. The old things have passed away and new things have come. This scripture refers very powerfully to 
a kind of macro perspective of what happens when we become a believer. We could teach on this scripture for many, many weeks. But essentially, this talks about this this, um, mighty, massive, world-shaking transformation of identity that we experience when when we come into Christ. And the amazing thing is that we may or may not know it. You know, how people come to Jesus varies in so many different human lives. Some people come from utter darkness and, and wrong thinking and foolish behavior into a powerful kingdom of light filled with fresh new love and and your mind enlightened with incredible new understanding of, of the truth about God and the truth about his ways, like a, like a Saul of Tarsus who's, who's thrown to the, to the ground in the blinding light of the, 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 the presence of the risen Jesus who appears to him and glory is shining around him and his glory is so great that he falls to the ground and he's blinded by the power of this glory. And he's changed in an instant. Now, it took years for him to mature into the full understanding of of the salvation that he was experiencing in order to proclaim to the entire, entire world, actually, but particularly the Gentile world. So in an instant, others, others of us receive Jesus in a, in a milder way. And then we, we, we grow maybe more slowly and, and less dramatically. But still, over time, there's that inner transformation that takes place. But this needs to be seen here. If you're in Christ, let's read it a different way. If you're, if you're in Christ, there is created within you a whole new self, a whole new identity, a whole new definition of who you are and what you can do because of who you are. The old things have died. They've passed away. Your old self has been nailed to a cross. We could go through many other scriptures where Paul says things like, I've been crucified with Christ. What's that? He says, therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. That I is the old Paul, the old Christian-hating Paul, the old Paul who thought he was walking in the perfection of righteousness as fully as he possibly could as a Pharisee who looked down, was filled with self-righteousness and filled with a murderous intent to, to kill those who dared to defy the truth as he understood it. And so that old Paul died. He was crucified with Christ. When Christ hung on the cross, so the old Paul, so the old Bruce, the old Mark, the old Bill and Barb, they all just were placed by the Father God into the Son. They were placed. I don't know how it happened. It's beyond our comprehension, but he somehow took all of the old creation junk, us included, and he put it right into the body of Jesus. And when Jesus hung on that tree, And when Jesus endured the wrath of God, which is what was happening when he was on that tree, he was the wrath of God poured out against all the sin of the universe, all the sin of mankind. Man, you know, it took God to do that. (laughs) 
It took God, had to be in a body because it had to be, it had to be human suffering for that, to that penalty. But, but, but it took God to do it. And he took it all into himself. And, and when he died, we died. And when he was raised, we were raised with him to newness of life. And so the new Bruce came into existence at the resurrection of Jesus in a spiritual sense, a mystical sense, kind of a potential sense. The new Bruce rose up in Jesus. And that new Bruce is recreated. There's a new creation. New things have come. The new Bruce has arisen. The new, you put the name in. Every one of us here who's in Christ Every one of us has a brand new self created in the very image of Jesus. We're to be little Jesuses walking around doing the works of the big Jesus. (laughs) And living the life and manifesting the love of the big Jesus in me, the little Jesus. (laughs) Because I'm containing him and I'm radiating him. And it's because I have a new self that has been recreated, created anew, created again, born again, made again, not like the old, whoever I was. Man, you don't, I mean, you, ask my wife, you do not want to know that old guy. And I don't mean this old guy. I mean that old former guy who was so alive. But when Jesus entered my life, that old guy died. Now, I wasn't perfectly new, perfectly like Jesus. There's a maturation process. But the seed of it was there. It was planted within my spirit. The new self was there in seed form. And and as I grow through life, you know what I believe? I believe, I believe that even through eternity as well, we are not gonna stop growing more and more fully into the image of Jesus. I don't know, you know, I don't don't think, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to be on a cloud playing a harp. I think, maybe a guitar. No, but I I think that when we go into the eternal realm, we're going to be, we're going to be really still growing, still learning. Man, the shackles off, the earthly shackles off our minds will be gone. Consider the intellectual capacities we'll have, the heart capacities we'll have. You know, the, the supernatural abilities will be walking in. You know what? I'm, I'm out of time. Have I made my point <laughs> that in our new self we have a new identity and that new identity is so beloved of God, so accepted of God, it doesn't depend on what we do or we don't do. And I'm not saying we should sin. All I'm saying is if we, if we do sin, we have an advocate in heaven who takes care of it already. It's already taken care of. It's already taken care of. And, and, and you know, we are, there is now, how about this one? There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Isn't that awesome? You know, the, you know technically in, in the Bible, that word condemnation means a sentence of death. When you are condemned, you are a condemned man, condemned to death. So I no longer carry around a sentence from death. I pass from death into life. And life and peace are my inheritance. I gotta end by telling you a story. (laughs) 
I made Lynn do all these soft slides. <laughs> Sorry. This is such a cool story I have to tell it to you. How many of you remember Nathan and Christy Appleby who were with us for a while? Okay. All right. Nathan and Christy now live up near Harrisburg. They go to Life Center. Nathan was at a conference just the other day, about two weeks ago, and there was a prophet who was, who was there ministering. I think his name was Sean Bolts or something like that. Okay, is that, is that the correct name? Okay. Well, there was about 1,200 people in the audience, so Sean starts to move in the prophetic realm. And he says, <clears throat> he says, um, getting the name Nathan. Is there a Nathan here? Well, like seven Nathans stand up, right? Then he says, uh, you're married to Christy. Six sit down. <laughs> Nathan's there. Then he goes on and he says amazing things. He says, just get to the heart of it. Someone in your family recently, he said, by the way, you know, in about October, you and your entire family are going to come into a time of prosperity and blessing in all ways from the Lord. And then he waited for a while and he said, he said, someone in your family just recently died. I'm getting the name Thelma. Now, those of you who don't know, Nathan's grandmother was named Thelma. She was an amazing woman of God. She lived in Wilmington area. I mean, truly a wonderful, wonderful woman of God. <laughs> a little story about her. When she found out on the day that she was told by the doctors that it was highly likely that she would die on that day, she actually said, yes! <laughs> Finally! And she went around the, the, the convalescent center where she was staying at the time, and she told people, I'm going home. I'm going home. Do you know I'm going home today? I'm so excited I'm going home today. Anyway, this guy, Sean, said, there's a woman who died in your family named Thelma. She was in her 90s. When she got into heaven, heaven amazingly rejoiced. And, and, she said, and he said, I don't have a theology that enables me to know this, but by the Spirit I know this, that Thelma is organizing a prayer group in heaven for the Appleby clan on the earth. And they are going to start praying. And uh, it's going to result in great blessing for the entire Appleby family on the earth. And he gave other details. But you know what? What that did to my heart, because this guy obviously didn't know Nathan from anyone, right? And this was all from the realm of the spirit that God revealed for the purpose of encouraging Nathan and revealing things that would have no way to know. But think of it. Think of it. Doesn't that give us such an amazing certainty that our heavenly existence will be so filled with life and fruitfulness and fresh work? I mean, I don't like to do manual work. Christian's been talking about work and there's kind of work that's drudgery, but there's a kind of work that's meaningful and great and fulfilling. I believe heaven is gonna be filled with meaningful, challenging, wonderful work that we can do wonderfully. But it's not gonna be a place of uh, whatever you think it might be in your, in your place of uh, despairing about what heaven will be. You know, it's not gonna be that way. It's gonna be filled with life and filled with 
I mean, eternal life is, is the life that God brought in the person of Jesus and released to the world. That was a taste of heaven's life. So the fullness of it will be even more. And see, my identity, because of who I have been made to be, because new things have come, old things have passed away, I have become a new creation in Jesus, recreated in the image of God, growing into the fullness of that image. I believe throughout all eternity, I'm telling you, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing to know my identity in the Lord. I no longer despair about my identity. Am I perfect now? Absolutely not. Again, just ask my wife, but I am not perfect now and on this earth I will not be perfected but I am perfectly loved perfectly accepted perfectly enshrined in the, in the Father's heart <laughs> I, I am secure now and forevermore <sighs> and it's all because of him let's stand together all because of him, all because of him. Oh, Lord. (laughs) God, I pray that this revelation of who you have made us to be, because we were included in Jesus' death, we were included in Jesus' burial, we were included in Jesus' resurrected, we were even included in Jesus' ascension and sitting at the right hand of the Father. Lord, that's a wonderful revelation. God, I pray this makes us new. This makes us wonderful creatures because of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that revelation would penetrate into every person in this room, driving out self-doubt, driving out fear, driving out insecurity, driving out rejection, driving out negative self-image, No more of that. All of what Jesus in his word says we are, of who he says we are, that's who we are. May that be firmly placed in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.